the book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. We've been looking at and studying the whole aspect, the whole idea of the kingdom parables and the principles that are in them and the parallels to the things that we see in our world uh, in relationship to what God says about his kingdom. Now, remember, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the influence of the king and what he desires and his will and his customs and his language being lived out in the territory that he places us in to colonize. So he has put us on planet Earth to colonize it and to make it look like and reflect the way that the kingdom works in heaven. Now, in order to do and in order to manifest his kingdom culture and his ways and his means, means we have to study what Jesus has said about how the kingdom works. And so we've been looking at these kingdom parables. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 to seek first his kingdom. And that idea of exploring the concepts and the nature, the functionality, the, the, the plan and the program, the principles of the kingdom of God, we are accomplishing that by looking at these particular parables. And so we've looked at several of them. We looked at the first one in Matthew 13 that was the parable of the sower. And one of the things that it teaches us about the kingdom of God is that wherever the kingdom is, you can't help but see productivity. You can't help but to see um, when I receive what the kingdom is and I receive the king in my life and start to live out those principles in my life, I can't help but to see that what that kingdom principle is that I'm living out. It starts to produce things in my life. It starts to produce things around me. We looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Remember that when the guy sows wheat and then his enemy came along while he wasn't looking and put in some weeds that looked just like wheat until the wheat started to mature. Uh, and we were able to see two realities uh, about the kingdom of God. Number one, the kingdom has an enemy. Our king has an enemy. The enemy of the kingdom is the stuff that we grew up in and the culture that we know. So the way the world works, that's an enemy to the kingdom. Let me give an example. The American dream is an enemy of the kingdom. You know, the American dream, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. The American dream of I work hard to become the have so I can look down on the have-nots. None of that's kingdom. That's an enemy to kingdom thinking. We also see the second reality is that God, uh, I cannot ask God to rescue me from bad people around me because the kingdom is made to coexist next to that which is the enemy of the kingdom. Right? So all of this, all these ideas of, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, he's trying to hurry up and get back to earth. So you're going to pass him on his way down. You're trying to make it up. He wants this world. He made it for a reason. And so he's not going to rescue us. He wants us to know how to operate in the kingdom while still in time, while still in this culture. Uh, we looked at the, the parable of the mustard seed. And that whole aspect is that what the kingdom is intended to do is not be a jihad. 
This isn't a holy war against the world, but we are to influence what the world is by how we think, how we live, how we raise our kids, how we uh, follow the kingdom's rules. That becomes an irresistible force and has an irresistible impact on the people and the culture around us. We looked at two parables that were very similar, the one of the leaven and the hidden treasure that talks that taught us that the way that the kingdom works is that God will intentionally put us places for us to make it have an impact, to be an influencing agent on where he puts us, in our families, on our jobs, in our neighborhoods. We also looked at the fact that in order to really understand how to let this, the kingdom come and his will be done in my life means there will be times when I have to sacrifice I have to sacrifice the way that I think. I have to sacrifice what I'm going after, what I'm pursuing. I have to make his kingdom's agenda my agenda. We looked at uh, last week, we looked at the parable of the dragnet. You know, it's a big old net that they let down and it catches all kinds of fish. And so we saw that the kingdom, by, by definition, the kingdom is inclusive. Okay, so if I'm thinking kingdom, I, if, if I'm somewhere and there is racism or there is uh, some aspect of us versus them, that kind of thinking is not kingdom because the kingdom is inclusive. Whosoever will, let them come. Uh, but we also recognize that the parable of that dragnet also taught us that uh, existing in the kingdom has some inherent inconveniences. Because everybody that calls themselves saved may not have the same definition. Everybody who claims to be Christian, listen, there's all kinds of brands of Christianity. Uh, just because somebody says the kingdom, they not be maybe not thinking about the kingdom of God you're thinking about. And so that's one of the inherent dangers is just because somebody gives you the, the Christianese buzzword, right, don't, don't sign up immediately. Right. You got to you got to check some things out. You got to know where some things are. But look what he says in Matthew 13, verse 52. Matter of fact, go back to verse 51. Jesus finishes telling this parable of the dragnet. And then he says, do you understand all these things? Sure. Yeah. So he says he adds. Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Check this out. Tonight in this particular kingdom parable, the parable of the householder, we see that Jesus teaches that the kingdom needs promoters and trainers of its message and its agenda. Now, I'm, I'm going to unpack this in just a second. But I want you to notice a couple of things before we start to dig into some of the particulars. I want you to notice that Jesus uh, uses something very similar that he's used uh, starting back in verse 24. When he introduces uh, the, the, parable, um, the, the parable of the farmer, the parable of the sower, um, he, he talks about, or the wheat and the weeds, he uses this. This indication, when he tells the parable of the sower, he says the kingdom of heaven is like. 
when he tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds, he says the kingdom of God has become like. Right. So one tells us what it's like in heaven. The kingdom has become like is the present situation and the present realities that we got to deal with. Right. So what we're dealing with now in the in this parable of the householder, we're looking at not in the sweet by and by, not in heaven, not in the ideal. This is what needs to be a, what we need to be about in the nasty now and now. Right. Also notice this, that he uses uh, this term teacher of religious law. If you're in the New Living Translation or he uses the word scribe, if you're in the King James or the New King James. Do you see that? This is Bible study, so you need to be looking at your Bible. That helps. Um, That's an interesting term because every other time that Jesus will talk about scribes, usually it's scribes and Pharisees. Right. And when Jesus or when Jesus confronts or he talks about the scribes and the Pharisees, normally he's talking about the other team. Right. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, these are individuals that they um, they went to school most of their lives. They spent all of their lives studying the Old Testament law and then all of the stuff that was written about every one of those laws. And they were uh, these instructors with great degrees and great knowledge of the word of God, but they didn't necessarily try to live it. They just knew it. Right. So it's kind of interesting that Jesus would say them dudes and use it in the same context of the kingdom. Right. But notice that he deals with these scribes and he deals with those who have been instructed in the kingdom of heaven. You see that? In verse 52, that word for instructed is the Greek word mathetes, which is the word normally translated as disciple. A mathetes was a disciplined learner. Now, Jesus said those who are scribes, Those whose job was to study the law in order to instruct and teach others in the law. But their field of study isn't just Old Testament, but now it's principles and the agenda of the kingdom of God. Now, that's going to be different from the old scribes that when he uses the word instructed in the kingdom of heaven. Now he's he's flipped the script. He's changed the game. Now he's dealing with something different. Then I also want you to notice in verse 52, where he talks about uh, new gems at the end of the verse or treasures, if you're looking at New King James. You see that? That, that, I, that is the same word as in verse 44, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Same word, same idea of something valuable, something mind-blowingly valuable that will change your life. All right. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you all of this background because as we back into it and as I unpack this, you're going to need to have those understandings of those three major situations to put back in this. All right. Y'all ready? Y'all look at me like, I didn't come to Bible study for a class. Too late. You're going to get the scribe, Jeremy, tonight. Here we go. 
when Jesus tells them this story that the kingdom of heaven is like this right now, we're not talking about, you, you know, uh, when I get my crown and my slippers and my long white robe, right? We're not talking about the, the idealism of wouldn't it be great if we all got along? Jesus is saying at this current juncture, until we get there, this is what is expected to happen in the kingdom. Are you following me? So remember now, Jesus has shifted because at the start of chapter 13, he was talking to crowds of folk, right? But he shifted right around verse 34. He got done talking to the crowd, and he pulled his disciples into a house. Now he's dealing with those who have given up everything to follow Jesus, right? They, they have identified themselves as disciplined learners of Jesus. But now Jesus does something strange. To these same fellas who've been following him, they've been listening to him teach, they gave up businesses, they gave up friends, they, I mean, they, they pushed everything to the middle of the table, they all in. They are, they are identified as disciples of Jesus. But Jesus says to that group, hmm, let, let me promote to you a new discipline. Jesus promotes a new discipline to the, to the disciplined learners. They have been up to this point learners of Jesus. And Jesus says to them, that's great. Y'all are all in. Y'all my fellas. Y'all my boys. That's great. Now, what I need you to be in the kingdom right now. I need, I need you to have a new study of discipline. He says, first of all, I need you to study kingdom operations. You've been studying me, and that's good, but I want to promote you. I want to promote you to a new thing to study. I want you to study kingdom operations, not just being a disciple of Jesus, but a disciple of the kingdom of God. He says right there in verse 52 that every scribe, every religious teacher of the law who has been discipled in the kingdom of God. So watch this. Being a disciple of Jesus giving your life completely to him, making him your savior, following him in believer's baptism, making him your Lord. Step one. There's another level. There's another step. For what needs to happen in the kingdom now, Jesus needs some people who commit themselves to studying the kingdom because they're disciples of Jesus. Wait, Pastor, that sounds a little foreign. That sounds like some heresy. That sounds like some bad teaching. We're supposed to only follow Jesus. Okay. Um, what was the first thing Jesus preached about when he came on the scene? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
What's the last thing Jesus was teaching on before he went to heaven? Well, if you look at Acts chapter 1, right around verse 5, the disciples ask him, so when is the kingdom going to come? So he was teaching about the kingdom right before he left. What Jesus' complete mindset was to bring what my father desires in heaven, I want to bring it here on earth. I want to launch it on earth. Now, what I have done is cool, and you have come and put your faith in me. That's great. But now I want to give you something new to study. I want you to study how I operate in my kingdom in every facet and every area of life. He says that they're the one who has been instructed about the kingdom of God. That means one who studies proceed from the humility of allowing him to give you a true understanding of the things of God. Because watch this. We get all messed up in church. Because we think following Jesus is checking off all the boxes of the do's and trying to stay away from the don'ts. Think about it. How many times a day does it pop in your head? Ooh, I probably need to uh, repent. I need to confess my sins. Right? And, And that's true. But how many times do I think about is Jesus being reflected in my spending? We're so stuck on grade level, we can't graduate to the new level of study. Because what Jesus wants to promote us to is to now how we reflect God, not just in our personal living, but in everything he has assigned us and sowed us and put us into. That's kingdom. When I, I can only be one who studies kingdom operation when my allegiance has already been transformed by coming to Jesus. Watch this. I, I, this with this. This new disciple, this one who has been instructed in the kingdom of God, is one who has not only applied himself to the teaching of Jesus, but also committing himself to all that the kingdom stands for. I'm going to mess with somebody right now. Um, Because you can either watch... The Kavanaugh hearing tomorrow as a church person or as a kingdom person. Because if you watch it as a church person, you're only looking for the inconsistencies and the foolishness and the drama. Kingdom person will listen to it and say, where is this culture going and how is Jesus wanting to change it to kingdom? Second discipline, by, by calling them to this, this next level, is to not only study the kingdom, but to store up kingdom understanding. Because he makes this statement about the, the person who has been instructed in, who's been discipled in the kingdom, is like somebody who has this storeroom. Uh, th- this is a, a simile In Matthew's gospel, the storeroom is that which is the heart 
or that which represents your whole being. That Jesus says when we, we have been instructed in the kingdom, when we study the kingdom, we're putting all of these valuable things into our hearts. We store them up. That we, we, we recognize that what we're getting about the kingdom from the word of God because we're following Jesus become valuable things that will change lives if rightly applied. Um, if, if Jesus being in your life hasn't changed or is not changing the way that you think and the way that you behave, you don't need more of Jesus. Jesus needs more of you. But if understanding the kingdom doesn't change the way that you see, what you pursue, and how you operate, you don't have anything in the storeroom. The principles come in, it sounds good, and then it leaves. Jesus wants it stored up. Jesus wants it in us. Jesus wants it to become us. Okay, let me, let me pump the brakes because I'm looking at people's faces right quick. <laughs> Somebody saying, Pastor, how do you, how we do that? How does that look? Right? The the whole aspect of this next level that Jesus calls them to to become disciples of the kingdom literally means pers- reading this from a kingdom perspective and not seeing just stories, not just seeing commands, but seeing the heart of God and how it needs to be manifested in situations and circumstances. So, so for instance, I can either ask people, have you, have you registered to vote? Or I can say, if you understand who you are, if you understand what, what God's kingdom is about, you have a responsibility. You can't not vote. Well, I, my vote don't really matter. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Because it only takes a little leaven from what he taught me about how the kingdom works to make him to be an influencer. I can either wake up every day and be like, oh, I got to go to this doggone job. Or I can prepare myself. Okay, Lord, I know I'm there on assignment. So whoever you send to me with whatever they have to say, show me how to, how to drop off something that's in the storeroom. Because Jesus pushes new duties on them. Not just a new discipline, but there's some new duties with this. If I'm going to study, if I'm going to be a student of the kingdom because I am a disciple of Jesus, that means, yes, there's some things that I study, there's some things that I pursue, but there's also some things I got to do. By calling them the scribes or the religious teachers, notice he's no longer talking about that group over there. He's saying to these disciples, I want you to be the experts. He wants, he wants us to become experts on kingdom life, on kingdom thinking, on kingdom spending. Okay. 
can I, I make a quick confession? I'm just going to keep it real. Um, I have devoted somewhere in the neighborhood of about 35 years to studying the scriptures. And I know by heart like maybe 17 of them. Maybe. Now, how many I'm actually doing is probably a lot smaller than that 17. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. I'm, I'm working through some things. I'm, I'm getting where he wants me to be one day. Now, that's just with Bible verses. But in terms of kingdom, you realize the kingdom has its own economic system. The kingdom has its own citizen, citizenship package. The citizen that the kingdom is a commonwealth. The, the way that the kingdom operates, there's a kingdom army that only partially includes some of us. There's a kingdom welfare system. And it's all packed in here. I have to become an expert of new truths and old truths. So that means I can't relegate myself to just the, the stuff that's in red is what I study for the kingdom. The kingdom started back in Genesis 1. So I have to be able to become such an expert that no matter what the conversation or no matter what the topic is, I can figure out how to whip out a kingdom principle and apply it to whatever the conversation is. I, I started something new um, because I started to realize um, I sent my oldest off to college and I felt like my job, I hadn't done my job right. You know, I mean, she, you know, she knew she had a checking account. She knew how to do something. But there were some aspects as dad that I felt like I hadn't done a good job with spiritually. And so then I'm looking at, you know, these other two little hard ankles. And I'm like, I only got a you know, short window with them. So I had to start a new something of how to pour kingdom thinking into them through a daily text message. Because one thing I know about my kids, they are wi permanently wired to their phones. So what I may not be able to say in a face-to-face -face conversation, if I can figure out how to pull out some new stuff or some old stuff and drop it on them, if I surround them with enough environment of kingdom thinking, at some point it's going to catch. Right? If, if I'm really going to study this thing, then I have to become such an expert that then I can become, here's the next one, an educator of kingdom life. The new duties that Jesus pushes on his disciples is you got to become experts of kingdom life. Now you got to become educators of kingdom life. He gives them their role. He says, I want you to become the teachers who have been discipled in the kingdom of God, who know how to pull out principles and apply them wherever they might be needed. Your role, if you have been listening to any part of kingdom teaching in this church, your role isn't to say, y'all ought to come here, pastor, teach about the kingdom. You ought to have enough little something, something 
to help teach somebody else about how the kingdom is and how the kingdom operates and what the kingdom is about. It's not just my role. It's our role. Jesus looks at all 12 of them and says, I want all of y'all. Watch this. This is, if I understand how Jesus says what he says in Matthew 13, 52, it's the same thing he's going to say in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 when he gives them the Great Commission. He's telling them ahead of time, I'm preparing y'all to be teachers. I'm preparing you to be instructors. Not just, you know, who Jesus is and how to be saved and how to pray and how to read the Bible, but how to help people understand how the kingdom works and what the kingdom is about. He gives them a responsibility. Remember, he has told them back in verse, verses 12 through 17, he's told them, now listen, I'm giving you all this stuff. I'm giving you some secrets I'm telling you all of this stuff. It profits from the Old Testament. Righteous people long to see what you see, but they haven't seen it yet. But he also told them back in chapter 10, verse 27. Now, what I whisper to you as a secret, I want you to go up on the rooftops and shout. I want you to proclaim out loud what I've whispered to you in secret. So all of this stuff that Jesus has been giving them, he's telling them, I'm now making it your responsibility to help market the family business. Because if I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ, I am a joint heir with Jesus. I have been brought into not just the family, but the family business. Because his business is the kingdom. His business is to increase market share. His business is to corner the market. His business is to beat down all of the, all of the competition and to have a monopoly on the earth. This is a business model. He brings in employees and adopts them into the family, then instructs them on how to operate the family business so he can go franchise them and make them owners and operators. <laughs> what? It's a business model. He tells them, I'm giving you these valuable things because I want you to be able to pull them out of the storehouse. The, the whole imagery is not of displaying it, but dropping it off. I don't want you to stand around and look like you're smarter than everybody else. I want to take what you know, and I want you to give it away. I want you to take these valuable things and invest them in other people's lives. Because part of being this educator is he deals with the relevance that they should have in their teaching. Now, uh, there are some Bible verses that um, excite and encourage me, right? There's some Bible verses that make me say, man, I, I got to do better. Then there's verses like this that make me work harder because if I understand correctly what Jesus is saying, I should never be a boring teacher, 
I ought to be able to whip out some new stuff. I ought to be able to whip out some old stuff. I ought to be able to help people apply. I ought to be able to take any conversation and figure out how to fit in how I have been taught to think about the kingdom of God. And you and listen, one of my keys, well, like if I go somewhere and hear somebody preach, right, and the whole church is standing up shouting, I, I always evaluate by looking at the teenagers. If the teenagers sleep, you flunked. Now, I know I was, I was a youth pastor for 20 years, so I know I'm a little hard on people, but if, if you can keep teens' attention, you might be somebody, <laughs> right? There's one point in time, you know, as a youth pastor, kids wasn't quite getting it, so I got into this chair-throwing ministry. Once they started to look like they would go to sleep, I'd get me a folding chair and throw it. <laughs> what do you do that for? Just make sure you're awake. Because I have to be irrelevant enough that what I present about the kingdom, I ought to have fresh insights. And I ought to be able to also help them understand foundational truths. I ought to be able to be relevant. The kingdom of God is relevant to everything that he created. And so my job, if I understand that I'm supposed to be an educator of the kingdom of God, that's one of my duties. That means I have to keep studying. I have to keep working on my presentation to make sure I'm always relevant. Nothing worse than a boring teacher. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to get myself in trouble with my wife when I get home. But everybody in here done had that one class. When you were in middle school, high school, you had that one class where you was like, I'm going to do the best I can to make it through. But I don't know. I had this one professor <laughs> at Morehouse. He was the only white professor in the history department. And he had, um, he had his undergraduate and his master's degree were in math. But his Ph.D. was in history. And he was this, this, he looked like the, the, the nutty professor. He had ha white hair that went everywhere, and he would twist it when he talked. And I don't, I don't know why, but he, it was always monotone, and his train of thought was more like a train wreck. So, you know, and, <laughs> and you had to take him for this class that dealt with the French Revolution. Now, I ain't French. That revolution didn't happen in my country, so I didn't really know a whole lot of information. And so Dr. Klinborg was standing in front of a class of brothers in this hot little classroom. And when you think about the proletariat of the 1700s in France, in other words, as the bourgeoisie, in, in a, what I'm trying to say is that the movement of the, and you would be sitting there like, what? is going on. He was a you had to take him at least twice to graduate with a degree. Because I was on an accelerated track, I had to take him for the history of modern Europe. This class was at four in the afternoon, one day a week for three hours. Brothers was dying. Like, oh. I mean, you could hear snoring in the room, and it wouldn't bother Dr. Clinbord. He just kept doing his thing. 
He just kept rolling on through. And it was, it was, it was more about stamina than what you could study. And it was just, it was just boring. Why do people in the world think that this God and his business model for changing the world is boring? That's our fault. When he called us to be the kind of experts and educators who know how to be fresh and yet talk in and deal with the foundational truths of the faith. But here's what excites me. Jesus provides new descriptions for his disciples, for those instructed in the kingdom of God. He, he lays on them a significance that they do not have yet as just disciples. Because he says to them, every scribe or every teacher who has been instructed or in, discipled in the kingdom of God is like a homeowner or a householder, right? You see that in verse 52? Now, remember, every time in one of these parables that Jesus told there was a farmer or a landowner, they were people of means. Okay, some of you look at me. They had money. They were big-time people. By Jesus saying to them that if you will not just become disciples of me, but go the next level and become disciples of the kingdom and understand who you are in the kingdom and you embrace your new duties in the kingdom, you are now elite possessors of a knowledge that advances the kingdom. You're in an elite class all by yourself. Because most folks that go to church can barely talk God, sometimes can talk Jesus, very rarely can talk the word. If I'm instructed in the kingdom, not only can I do all three, but I can find new ways to take whatever you're talking about and help you understand and find who God is and what your purpose is in the world. That's an elite level of folks that Jesus says, now, if, if y'all can grab this, if y'all can be disciplined in this, if you can make this your duty, I'm going to put you on a pedestal of a significant place in the kingdom of God. Because, he says, as a householder, as a owner, now, I, I'm not just calling you the, the servants in the parable. I'm not just talking about the guys who work for the farmer in the parable. I'm making you the owner in the parable. Every other owner in every other kingdom parable was Jesus. So if Jesus says to them in this last one, you are also an owner. Now he's making me an equal partner. It's kind of like what Jesus says in John 15 and 15. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. It's kind of like what Paul says, that because of who we are in Christ, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus says, if we would make ourselves 
disciples of the kingdom of God, because we're disciples of Jesus, and if we would take time to understand who we are, Jesus says, I will put you in the business as an equal partner. I'll give you status and significance because you're the engine that drives kingdom expansion. Because how will they hear, Paul says, without a preacher? How can they know what the kingdom is unless there are those who help instruct them in what the kingdom looks like? So watch this. I'm trying to finish early because I know Empire just started and somebody's trying to get home. Notice that Jesus wasn't satisfied with just handing out kingdom truths. I mean, giving you disciples all of this stuff, that's great. But now I want something more for you. His plan included utilizing those who had become aware of how the kingdom operates to help spread the word. One of the things that I hope to be able to accomplish by the time God's time for me is up at refuge is that it won't just be me, but there will be several kingdom owner operators building up the kingdom of God in various aspects because they have become students of the kingdom of God. Because watch this, now that we know what we know about the kingdom, it becomes inherent upon us to commit ourselves to further study and to join the multi-level marketing scheme of the kingdom. My dad used to use Amway as an excuse to go evangelizing. We would have to go to these Amway meetings, right? Amway used to be this product that would sell these old nasty, uh, they had washing powder, they had uh, vitamins, they had all of this stuff, right? And they always tell you, all right, we're going to bring you in at this level. And if you sell to this many people, then you get bumped up to this level. Then when those people bring in, the, then you get a part of their money because of what they're selling. And it, they had all of these levels, the gold level and uh, platinum level and diamond level, all of these different levels that you could get to. And marketing schemes are simply ways to pimp you. But watch this. Jesus' multi-level marketing scheme is come in and become a disciple, become a disciple of the kingdom. Now I'll make you equal partners. And your job is to create owner-operators and bring them up to the level of equal partnership. So I can't sit on just being a good follower of Jesus. One of the things that's going to happen if you stay around here much longer is you'll be forced to look at some things that make you study the kingdom of God. And once you have studied the kingdom of God, if I understand what Jesus says in verse 52, he's going to push you to become an expert and an educator and an equal partner in this thing. So all of those who will try to say, well, teaching ain't my spiritual gift. Maybe it's not. But there's an area that he's put you in that he wants you to be an influencer to help market the family business. To bring some folks in and to raise them up so that they can go do what you do in whatever area God has planted them in. 
Is that clear as mud? <laughs> One of the things that I would throw out there to you um, that I would suggest in this pursuit of being a student of the kingdom of God, any and everything that Dr. Miles Monroe wrote, you need it. If, if you desire to understand the kingdom and you're in, uh, in a, some kind of entrepreneurial adventure, you, you see yourself, God, using you in the business world, you need to get a book by a guy by the name of Dennis Peacock called Father and Sons. There are some resources out here and some people out here that I study that I would suggest to you to find how God wants you to expand the kingdom of God as an expert in what you can be an expert in about the kingdom of God. Because this only spreads as we spread it. Jesus says to the disciples, y'all been coming along for the ride and y'all been learning. That's great. Now I need you to understand where I'm going with this. I brought you in to send you out. I brought you close so that I could plant you and you could help raise other people into this understanding of